And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our strength and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. For the past few Sundays of this Easter season, we have been at the tomb or in the days or weeks immediately following Jesus' resurrection from the tomb. On the day of resurrection, we were there with Mary Magdalene and we were there with Peter and James and John as they ran to the tomb. The next Sunday, we were with Thomas and the disciples just the same evening that Jesus was raised, that the tomb was empty. Last week, we were in those weeks just after Jesus' resurrection when he appeared to the disciples by the seashore. So up until this Sunday, we've really been following a pretty straightforward chronology of Jesus' resurrection and his appearances after. But on the fourth Sunday of Easter, or at some point always during the Easter season, there's, it's like we punch a pause button and then a rewind button, and we go back to some things that some events that happened before Jesus' resurrection earlier in the Gospel of John. And this Sunday is often called Good Shepherd Sunday because it's a day that we go back to the time where Jesus talked about being the Good Shepherd. And that's what we're doing today. We've clicked the rewind button so that we can go back and look at Jesus being our shepherd in light of his resurrection. We, can, we have the privilege of hindsight to see how can we look back on what John said ten chapters earlier and see why it matters to us as an Easter people of today. So I encourage you to keep either your Bible open to this passage or keep the scripture insert in your bulletin handy as we simply walk through today what Jesus says and why it matters to us. So let's begin with where we are and what's going on. In John's gospel, the whole, all of chapter 9 is spent with Jesus healing a blind man. That he heals him and then there is an uproar. Some people believe in him and some people don't. And what we see developing at that moment after the blind man is healed is that two groups of people begin to arise. Those who believe Jesus is the Son of God, those who trust him, those who know that he has something that nobody else has. And then the other group of people that begins to develop are those who reject his teaching, those who do not believe he's the Son of God, those who do not Trust him, and we see these two factions beginning to form, and they only begin to strengthen in what they believe as the chapters go on. And after Jesus heals the blind man, an act of love, an act of grace, an act of complete uh, giving of himself, we see Jesus talk to the disciples and he tells them, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's in the beginning of chapter 10 before where we start today. And then after Jesus does this teaching, those two groups become strengthened once again in what they think. We reach verse 22, though, and this is what's happening. If you'll follow along with me. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The festival of the dedication, as many of you Bible scholars, I know we have lots of Bible scholars here, know is actually Hanukkah. 
the celebration of the festival of lights that we that our Jewish brothers and sisters observe close to our Christmas holiday. And Hanukkah is a glorious celebration. It's a time of families getting together like many of you are gathered for Mother's Day today. And they come to Jerusalem, they journey together, they worship together, and they celebrate God's saving acts in their life. So this is an exciting day. It's a great day for people to be gathered together. And Jesus is just going for a walk through Jerusalem. He's going for a walk, and John makes sure to tell us that he's in the portico of Solomon. Well, that's also known as Solomon's porch. Another word for portico here is porch. So Jesus is just hanging out, going for a walk, and he's in an area named for Solomon. Anytime we see Solomon come up in the scriptures, friends, we should think of wisdom. We should think of a wisdom that comes not from our own intellect, but something that God gives to those who believe. So Jesus is in a place of wisdom, of being wisdom and dispensing wisdom. And as he comes through this area, we hear in verse 24 that the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. It's easy for us to skip this verse and jump right to Jesus' response. But friends, when we stop here, it's important for us to see who we are. Because there, it's not just one group of Jews asking him this. It's not one group of people. It's both of those groups I mentioned before. It's some who believe and some who are doubting. They are asking this question, how long will you make us wait? I would venture to guess everybody in this room at some point in your life has said, how long is this going to take? Or those of you who have been on a road trip recently, you probably heard some voices from the back seat say, are we there yet? How much longer till we get to our destination? And all of us at some point have probably been in a line somewhere or waiting on a phone call or waiting to move forward in a line. And we ask ourselves, how long is this going to take? When we ask that question, how long, it can be read in two ways. One is a sense of impatience. We're all guilty of impatience, right? At some point in time, we've all been guilty of asking how long out of exasperation. Every Sunday morning, my dog takes the slowest walk in the world, and I say, how long will it take for you to get, for you to get back to the vehicle so we can go home? We all have those moments where we are thinking and talking out of impatience about something. But Jesus is giving us another way to look at this question. You see, we can choose to be impatient about something, or we can choose to be longing for something. How long, Jesus, will you not tell us who you are? How long before you will redeem us? How long do we have to wait for everything that you promise? That's the way of asking of a longing for someone. Not just longing for something, but longing for someone. That's what Jesus desires in a relationship with us. Not that we are impatient about what he's going to do, but that we long for him. We long to know him and to trust him and to be with him. And he goes on to explain that in his answer. In verse 25, he says, I have told you who I am. You do not believe. I've told you through my father's works. They testify to me. And then in verse 26, he says, but you do not believe. Because you do not belong to my sheep. 
Now, if we were just reading verse 26, if it were just plastered on a note card somewhere apart from this chapter, it would be really easy for us to think, well, goodness, Jesus is excluding people. Jesus is keeping people out. Jesus is saying, you can't, you cannot belong to me. You don't belong to my group. But friends, it's not like that. Anyone who chooses to believe, anyone who chooses to trust Jesus, you belong to him. You choose to trust the good shepherd, you belong to his flock. Jesus is not in the business of exclusion. Jesus is in the ministry and in the kingdom of inclusion. It's up to us. We exclude ourselves from him. And we exclude ourselves when we choose not to. To trust in him. What's happening here is not a business transaction, but a life of trust. He is asking us to to move into a relationship with him. And when we choose to be in relationship with him, we are included in his love and in his care. And all are welcome into this flock. But we have to believe, we have to choose, and we have to trust. About five years ago, a wonderful book was published that I would commend to you by a man named James Rebanks. James Rebanks is an Englishman. He lives in the Lake District of northwestern England. And for over 400 years, his family has, has been in the business of shepherding. He is a modern-day shepherd. And by modern-day shepherd, I mean, yes, he is shepherding in the 21st century in the year 2019. But he is also a modern-day shepherd in that he knows how to use Twitter. He knows how to be on social media. And he has developed a, a huge following on Twitter just by telling in little snippets what's involved in the life of shepherding, what's involved in the, what's involved, what's going on with the sheep. And this book that he wrote called The Shepherd's Life, each chapter is a season of the year. And he walks through very methodically and very thoughtfully what happens with the sheep and what's happening with him. And a little bit of his life story comes through also. But in the chapter about winter, he goes, he, he lays out three simple rules of shepherding. Three rules that all of us as sheep of Almighty God and shepherds in Almighty God's work can learn from. He says this, the first rule of shepherding is it's not about you. It's about the sheep and the land. It's not about you. It's about the sheep and the land. We live in a culture where self is often put first. It's easy for us to put self first. But the shepherd's life reminds us, the life of Jesus reminds us, it's not about us. It's about the other sheep and the land, or we could say in this case, about God's kingdom. Jesus, in talking to these people who are questioning him, he cares about the kingdom of God. He cares about growing the flock that God has given to him. Growing the flock by us becoming, being willing to become a part of that flock. The second rule of shepherding that James Rebanks lays out is you cannot win sometimes. Isn't that a true life statement? Sometimes we just cannot win. Sometimes we have to find out the hard way by losing how much we have gained through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sometimes you cannot win. And the third rule, this is, this is just great. The third rule that he says is be quiet and go and do your work. Be quiet, get up, and go do your work. 
It's important to remember, though, he's writing that as a rule of shepherding during the winter season. Bitter cold temperatures, snow falling, very short days, very little daylight that he's working with, and how hard it is for the shepherd to keep moving, to keep going in those valleys of the shadow of death, as we shared in earlier. But he said the third rule of shepherding is you have to remember it's not about you. You may not win, but you got to get up, you got to go, and you got to do the work. Don't you know it was so hard some days? For Jesus to get up and go and do the work, knowing that the cross was before him, knowing that rejection was going to be before him. And yet he got up, he went to Solomon's temple, and out of love for the people, the group that loved him, and out of love for the group that rejected him, he spoke these words to them. And he goes on in verse 27 to say, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. He goes on to say what my father has given me is greater than all else. And no one can snatch it out of my father's hand. Jesus is saying here to us, if you hear my voice, if you respond to me today, if you choose to trust me and be in relationship with me, you are part of my flock. You are part of the eternal life. That I, that I want to give to you. And it simply requires us to choose to be quiet, to get up, and to do the work of following him. And the great fruit of following Jesus, yes, it requires patience. And so often in the aftermath of Easter and the aftermath of the glory of the empty tomb, it's easy for us in this day and age to become impatient To be asking, when, Lord, how much longer will we have to deal with the suffering and the exclusion and the injustice we see in the world? How long will it be? We long for that day. So let us be a people who resist the the temptation to become impatient for what we want on our own time. Let's learn not to be the group of impatience. Let's belong to the group of of longing. And in belonging to the group of longing, we are called to share the good news, to share as he says in verse 30 that the Father and I are one. Be one with Jesus, be one with the Father, and share the good news that nothing can snatch us out of his hand. James Rebanks was motivated by love for his sheep, love for his land, love for his family, love for everything that mattered to him. That's what got him up on those cold winter days and outside to do his work. So it should be, excuse me, so it should be with us. We should, in the winters of our lives, find that motivation to get up out of love for each other, out of love for God, and move forward to share the good news that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Patience is not dropped in our lives when we ask for it, but over time, God builds patience in us as we long for him. So this Easter season, I invite you to be both the shepherd and to be the sheep. We often caricature sheep and only talk about how, um, how much they need guidance. We often refer to sheep as wandering and aimless and unable to take care of themselves. But friends, God does not make an unsmart creature. God made all creatures brilliant and beautiful. 
When we are called sheep, I'm calling all of you sheep today. Please don't bat at me as you leave today because we are all in need of guidance. But we are also smart enough to know that we need the shepherd's help. So let us go forth today being a sheep who trusts the shepherd, belonging to the one who longs for us. So let us go forth to long for him in return, him who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.